Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. It's really Tuesday, but it's a Monday. Switching it up a little bit, we're going to have Dan Becker and Keely York on with myself, Ryan Abraham, today on Monday because everything moved up a day. USC plays Friday night uh, in Boulder, Colorado against the Colorado Buffalo. So we're going to move the schedule up a little bit, get to your questions about USC's 41-14 win over the Arizona Wildcats. If you do have any questions for us, please send them in podcast at uscfootball.com. Or if you'd like to call us or text us, the number is 424-254-9141. We got a bunch of calls and emails and stuff that for the coach this week, but he was on IR. So we had Taylor Mays pinch hit yesterday. Hope you guys got to check that out. Taylor was great. Former USC all-American, and we got a lot of questions for this show as well, so we're going to jump right in. We got Keely Yor in studio, follow her on Twitter, at Keely is my name. Hello, Keely, how are you? Hello, hello, doing well. Quick turnaround, but we're we're going at it. Yeah, quick turnaround. These this short weeks are, uh, you know, we got to just, it's like, boom, there's no uh, there's no time to break. It's like you do, a, you do your exercise workout, you go right back into the next one. There's no time to rest in between. No time at all, but if we think there's no time for us, there's definitely no time for USC and their banged up Trojans. Yes, yeah, so we'll get to that in a second, but we got to welcome in Dan Weber as well. What's up, Dan? How are you? Uh, doing good. I kind of like uh, coming off of an upbeat sort of a game. It's uh, it's kind of good to just go right into the next uh, the next game. I'm kind of thinking there's probably not enough time this week to get everybody back anyway. So uh, you don't worry about it so much with the next game coming Friday and you got a travel day also. So uh, you just get the guys you got and you get ready and you keep on going. Yeah, that's, it's funny. It's one of those things where if you think about it too much, if you have the bye week or something, you have a lot of time to kind of think about what's coming up next. These guys don't, Keely. That's, nope. uh, there's no time. And do we want to jump into just, you want me to do the injury list? Do you want to do it? How do you want to do this? I mean, you can do the injury list if you want. Uh, okay, well, here's what I got. So, so Stephen Carr, ha- I'm jumping in. Stephen okay. Carr has a hamstring. <laughs> She's like, you can do it if you want. Okay, I'll do it. Well, you you were stalling, so then I wanted to help you out there. Oh. All right. Well, 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 going into the game, Christian Rector was out. Yes. Uh, defensive end. Elijah Griffin was out. Greg Johnson was out. Vavai Malpei was out. Palier No Teote was out. So that meant USC had to go into the game starting three freshmen, Dorian Hewitt and Chris Steele at cornerback and Max Williams uh, at nickel. So, you know, going into the game, yeah, not the most healthy the team has been. Then you got Muneer McClain. He goes down. That was a knee. knee. It was a so knee, he had a knee sure. injury. Doesn't look great. No, no it does not look good We don't all. know. So we're going to know this evening after practice what all of these are. Um, but didn't look good for him. Uh, Talanoa Hufunga, I saw him after the game in like one of those isolation things on his shoulder. He's had a history there. Yeah. If we had to speculate, not. It didn't look good. It didn't yeah. sound good from what I heard either. Not not uh, positive there. Uh, Drake Jackson was in like one of those full on 
boots on one of his legs, right? Like for his lower leg. It looked like a, a kind of a longish boot, not just like a little ankle thing. And he had to hobble from the medical table to the cart to cart him off. And so he just looked not not good on that ankle at all. No. I think they had ran out they ran out of carts. There was just too it many. It was a cars. cart heavy night yeah. for sure. Um then you got uh Stephen Carr, which was was a hamstring, hamstring tweak yeah. or something. Yeah. But again, like Dan said, not a, a serious injury, but on a short week. And for a running back, too. I don't know if he's going to be able to come back from that. Not not like a season-ending thing, but uh, it might be tough on the short week. Uh, of course, Marquis Stepp uh, went out, came back in, ankle injury. Yeah. He played like one play, didn't look great. Did not look 100%. Came out, and then Keenan Kristen replaced him at, after that point. Yeah. And then uh, Abdul Malik McLean. So, unfortunately, for the McLean brothers, like both of them, Rough night down. for the McLeans for and sure. His was uh shoulder shoulder injury also. Wow. Yeah, he made he made that tackle on Khalil Tate and then immediately something was wrong. You knew it. Just yeah, he got, it was a sack, right? I think yeah, it was a sack. sack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so man, just uh <laughs> And by the sounds of it, I'm hearing that step is a little more serious than what we were initially thought. So something to So watch like a for. high ankle kind of thing, maybe or something, or yeah, it just does not sound good from what I've heard. So well, see, you got to be like in Alabama, like yeah. Tua Tunga Vailoa gets hurt, and they like put him in some secret, you know, ankle surgery or something, and boom, he's like ready to go uh, again. Dan, I don't. Can they do that, Dan, or is that only in? Uh, you can only do that in Alabama. Yeah, I, I, well, you know, the the step thing. Uh, he basically got a helmet uh, hitting right in the kind of in the you know the side of his ankle. He was planted at the time, and. Uh, a guy, you know, dove at his feet from behind to try to tackle him and kind of head first into, into the side of his ankle. So, so I don't know if that, you know, would produce a classic ankle sprain or would be more like a, you know, a bone bruise or no, something like that. No, but he, like he definitely it, twisted it, his ankle. You can see it in my footage. It's like, it's a full twist. Did he twist after he got hit? Okay. So yeah. from our side, you couldn't quite see how much twist there was after he got hit with the helmet. So, yeah, so that's the big key. You know, certainly you can have an uh, an ankle sprain caused by somebody just, you know, with that uh, a blow to the side of the ankle if it forces you to, you know, twist and, and, and tear those ligaments a little bit. So so that would be that'd be too bad. I don't think he knew. And we, you know, we certainly talked to him afterwards, and I don't think he, he really wasn't sure what, what was going on with his ankle. You know, he knew it was painful. He was he was limping, but he wasn't actually as limited as some of the others after the game. Um, uh, he still had a you know had a boot on, but uh, there were so many boots. Uh, <laughs> it was just amazing how uh, what that looked like after the game. Yep, it was one of those nights when it rains, it pours. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I guess there's good news and bad news. Uh, I mean, the bad news is obviously you got a lot of guys that are banged up. Um, I mean, there's some good news and you got a guy like Keenan Kristen who looks spectacular. So even though there's only one scholarship, potentially one scholarship running back, but the real good news is Colorado looks terrible right now. So we're, we're going to be full on coverage. We have four people covering this game and I'm like thinking about it. Like Colorado's awful. Like USC should roll, but this is the PAC 12. It's like different every week, but man, like you watch them against uh, Washington state last week, Washington state didn't have a PAC 12 win. And they just absolutely boast, boat raced Colorado. So this is the this is the week you'd want to play Colorado if you're USC. I would think, unless Colorado bounces back and like, hey, we're going to play better at home. I'm not sure. I, I mean, it's going to be like 39 degrees or something. It's going to be cold. Yeah. 
chili. I don't know. Do you think I mean, that's good? Like, be, you yeah. know, you, Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, surprisingly, USC has never been negatively uh, impacted by playing the cold night game, even by playing a Friday night game at Boulder. I don't know why. I mean, there are games that where the snow was piled up, you know, around the field, and USC just went in there and played, at least since I've been around. Uh, USC doesn't seem to, to for some reason, uh, doesn't seem to let that, that bother them that much. So I don't know whether the, you know, the short week, almost nobody in the Pac-12 does well uh, as the travel team in a short week. I mean, it's like, you know, for USC to say, hey, let's go get them. That would be like the only time in history that somebody's, uh, you know, felt good about going on a, on a, you know, travel as the travel team in a short week, you know, in the Pac-12. But uh, who knows? As crazy this year has been, uh, maybe that's how it works. Because uh, at least the guys that were playing sure were having a lot of fun for USC. I mean, you had a majority non-starter defense that just flat out took Khalil Tate and J.J. Taylor and pretty much didn't let them play. I mean, it's hard to even imagine. They were up 41 to nothing. I mean... There's a, you know, uh, uh, an Arizona team that, what was it, seven, they lost to Washington the week before. I mean, uh, you know, they looked awful, but they haven't been playing, you know, that, that horribly, uh, until Saturday. Yeah. I, it's, it's, I did Pac-12 radio this morning and we were just talking about it. I do, do my power rankings. So I hear, look at the power rankings real quick, just to kind of. Like, where would you rank these teams? So, who's number one? Oregon's number one. Utah's number two. USC's basically number three. Like, I mean, you could, is it Arizona State? Maybe. Is it Washington? They beat USC, but they've lost, what, three games or whatever, you know, Pac-12 games. Uh, Then after that, like, so those are probably the top five teams at least. Is Washington State number six or are they number 12? Like, I don't know. Like, they just won their first Pac-12 game. Arizona, some people have them number seven. Other people would put them at 12 the way they looked at USC. Oregon State, you know, same sort of thing. Cal, they were 4-0. and And then they lose their quarterback and then they're awful. They're just uh, yeah. terrible. You know, Cal and Stanford, like, I don't know what they could do with Stanford. Like, you know, how do you get crushed by UCLA and and be serious? And, you know, and but then you beat Washington. Um you know, UCLA and Colorado, Colorado, we have them at number 12 in our power rankings right now, but I, it's hard to make sense of what the Pac-12 is right now. You could get a Colorado that LaVisca Chanel goes crazy and Steven yeah. Montez looks like, you know, he did two years ago, or you could get what we saw this past weekend when they couldn't do anything. You know, I think, uh, look at the Pac-12 and I can understand why some of the people in the Pac-12 go crazy about USC a little bit. USC has won games with three different starting quarterbacks. Nobody else in the Pac-12 could even think about doing that. I mean, if you look at Cal, they lose their one guy and, and they just go away. I mean, they're yeah. just gone. Cal's used or, three or, and Stanford's <laughs> used three, but they've looked terrible when they've had to use, lose three. Yeah. Yeah, or uh, what other team has a fifth-string tailback? who can come in and do what Keenan uh, Christen did. I mean, they look at USC and you know they hate USC because they can do stuff like that. I mean, if you read like the Arizona board, they're writing things like, ooh, Hafanga's out. Ooh, this, you know, ooh, ooh, they've got all these guys out. And you know they watch that game and they think, what the heck? 
I mean, who are those guys? I know the Arizona media were like, I never heard of you know, Keenan Christian's name ever. How can, you know, it's not possible. So there, there are things about USC that you just think, gosh, if they, you know, when people question USC's talent, they probably, you know, there are people, for example, on the piece who say, yeah, they're not really as good as the rankings or, you know, the, those rankings, uh, you know, on the recruited prospects and that. They may be correct for Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia and LSU, but they're not right for USC. USC is really not that good. When you look at a game like Saturday, you think, hmm, USC might be pretty good. They might have some good players. Yeah. I mean, I thought that defense, I will give the defensive coaches all the credit in the world. I know Coach Chad uh, K said after the game, kind of like, I wish you guys could see us practice. We really did a great job practicing last week. And I get the sense that they did, that they had those guys paying attention. They knew Arizona potentially has some the kind of speed that, that can make you look bad. And they played fast. I mean, they and, and they played fast in a way where it looked like they knew exactly what they were doing. I mean, those guys that we haven't, we haven't seen on the field at all looked so comfortable playing fast and looked like they totally, absolutely understood what they were doing. And, you know, they tackled people in the op- in open space. They didn't run by people. Um, it was pretty impressive. A uh, heck of a job by the defensive coaches. I think they really, really got their, got their act together this week. They didn't have any other choice, but, uh, what a great effort! We, you know, we'll, we'll be critical when we think we should, but um, but not this week, man. That was uh, that was great work by the defense. Yeah, forty-one fourteen, and uh, you know, it was I think two thirds of the way through the third quarter, and I tweeted this out that uh, Arizona was averaging five hundred and nine yards of offense per game. They had one hundred and nine yards of offense wow. with like six minutes or something left in the third quarter. So it was, um, yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah, I think they finished the third quarter with 167 yards. So okay. they were like, you know, however, whatever, 300 and some yards short of of what they were averaging after three quarters. And then the fourth quarter, USC kind of, you know, cleared the bench a little bit. But um, yeah, that was uh, pretty amazing. I mean, I didn't see anybody on on Arizona's team. It looked like they could run away from anybody on USC's team, including the, the defensive ends and the linebackers and. That was uh, no very very impressive stuff by yeah. uh, by how fast they could put USC defense was able to play. You look at those charts that they give you. So in the press box, we get these like charts that show the depth chart and all that stuff in your, and like you don't even have a, a Keen Kristen listed on there. You know, like there's guys playing who aren't on there. They, I don't think they update it either time. So when guys get hurt, they don't get like bumped off. It's not like, um, but yeah, they, it's like this yellow chart they give us and. Uh, Dudes that you're like big contributors weren't even on it, so that's got to be. I, yeah, I don't like. I agree with you that I don't know if a lot of other teams in the Pac-12 could be doing that. Like, who's that guy? Uh, and have him be a star. Yeah, I mean, who's that guy that just ran thirty yards in you know whatever you know four seconds or three <laughs> seconds or whatever you know? And, and who's that, I mean, this poor uh, Arizona defenders. I mean, if they made if they leaned the wrong way. Uh, they had no shot at, at Keenan. I mean, he was just, it was like, the, you know, it was a joke almost. He, and he is that fast. I mean, let's face it. When, when like the Arizona guys in the media were asking after the game, I said, well, he's the fastest football track uh, athlete in the history of California. 
And that says a lot. I mean, you know, and somebody mentioned Reggie Bush. And I said, nah, this guy's faster than Reggie Bush. Oh, yeah? No, yes, he is. I mean, it's just, and he hadn't been in a game yet. I yeah. tried to get Clay to talk about that last night. He's not talking about that. I'm just saying, you know, did you ever second guess yourself and think, oh, maybe it would have been not a bad idea to, you know, get somebody like that in the game a little earlier, you know, this season. And mm, he's not talking. He's not. He, Clay's not going there. That's yeah. not not a comfortable subject. But uh, you get the feeling that the they wanted to redshirt him. Yeah, you. They probably. Oh, yeah. they, no, they wanted to redshirt him, play the four games and stuff. It, that's why even like Quincy comes in. Yeah, Quincy Junty comes in. Junty or John? What was it? Junty? They say or is that? Everyone says Junty. Yeah, we've said Jaunty. <laughs> I I probably say it wrong. I don't know. It's a walk-on running back. Jaunty. I don't want to know his name. I'm more of a he's a scholarship guy, guy anyway. now, right? Yeah. Oh, he's a scholarship I, guy. I think the thing, the thing that makes you question about the rest of thinking is if he's as good as he might be, he's not going to stay five years. That's the thing. I just I think you meet him this year and see you know how that's going to play out. But I I just think that's you know redshirting somebody. To help the coach in four years, who's probably not going to be you, it just doesn't make a lot of a lot of sense. I don't think. I, I just think, I think he's so special that he has to be on the field. And you have. I mean, they ran like they said some of the same plays, and they created just a little bit of a scene, and that's all you have to do. I mean, it's it's a different play when you run him than if you run anybody else on this team. And uh, I, I, it, it just gives your offense more of an opportunity. And, and there were a couple of times had, uh, had Keaton Slovis seen uh, uh, Keenan, Keaton to Keenan yeah, uh, on, on a couple of swing passes. How cool. I would, you know, I'm just, you know, you, you just want to see him just throw it over to him. I want to see him run up the sideline and maybe one guy between him and the, and the goal line and just see how that goes. But uh I think that'll happen. Uh, I mean, you're going to have to be really aware. If he's in the backfield, you better have somebody, uh, you know, if, if if he flares out on a possible swing pass. I don't know if one guy is going to be enough to, uh, you know, to be able to handle him. So now you've got to do some different things with the defense with him on the field. So I just think it opens things up having having that kind of speed. I mean, I would guess he's the fastest guy in the Pac-12, and I would guess he's one of the couple of three fastest people, you know, in college football. Uh, I'm not sure that guy ought to be on the bench. Yeah. Well, Clay said he'll probably have a bigger role in Colorado just because of all the injuries. <laughs> but we do have a question involving Keenan. Should we just jump into it, Ryan? We should. All right, let's go to a text from Chris in Dallas who says, is it time to bench Stephen Carr and Vivai Malapai in favor of Thunder and Lightning, a.k.a. Marquis Stepp and Keenan Christen? They look better together more than the senior backs ever have. It's time to move on and play the young guys. Also, shame on Clay Helton and Graham Harrell for leaving this talent on the bench for whatever reason. Think of the difference Christen would have made against Notre Dame and Washington. Thanks, Chris in Dallas. Yeah, I hate to do it in a kind of a negative way. I think Vi Malapai has done a wonderful job and been a great leader. Uh, he does a lot of things well. Uh, you know, had they probably been a little more consistent on the O-line, uh, would have done him even better. I think Steven still doesn't look completely like he's, he's all the way back. 
but it isn't like those guys have been bad. It's not that kind of thing where you got to bench them or you got to, you know, whatever. But the possibility of of, of uh, Keenan, Kristen, and and Marquis step together, that's a lot of possibility. I mean, I'm, you know, lost in the in the shuffle of the game was the uh, 12-yard touchdown run that Marquis made, where he's uh, their middle linebacker has has an absolute shot at him in the backfield. And he just stops, he plants, he kind of sheds that guy and then just says, okay, I'm and he's going right where that guy came from and 12 yards up the middle. And, you know, he got touched by a few hands, but they weren't even going to slow him down. Uh, so that's a pretty imposing uh, pair. And, you know, you kind of do run out of, uh, you kind of run out of, uh, you know, plays for, for four running backs. I mean, that's a, that's a difficult thing. And you got a difficult thing with a, you know, with a wide receiver group that you know, is almost as good as anybody in the country, and, and you're going in with an air raid uh, passing attack. Uh, you know, it's, I, I would have liked to have seen USC speed the games up. I, I just think, and, and playing three quarterbacks, having two guys hurt and not able to start, uh, has made it more difficult for USC to go tempo. But you would have liked to have seen. Uh, instead of running 70 plays, they'd be running you know, 85 or 90 uh, a game. Uh, that would have given you more chance to play more people and do more things on offense. But uh, um, I wouldn't want to go as a negative uh, to, to Vi and, and Steven, but uh, uh, the opportunity and the, the upside of the two young guys. I mean, those are because uh, uh, Marquise is a, still a freshman. He's a redshirt freshman. Those are that's two pretty good running backs. So the weird thing is you've got a team that, you know, going to the air raid and you discover a couple of running backs who are really, really good. And, um, you know, maybe the, the, the need there is to just get the offensive line doing some of the things that we we're starting to see them do. Uh, you know, we saw Liam Jimmons, for example, uh, was the pulling guy on the second uh, second touchdown, uh, Eric Cromenhoek really doing some good blocking on, you know, on, uh, and I think uh, Jude Wolf also, and in uh, the Jalen McKenzie. And we're seeing things uh, happen that maybe we weren't seeing early in the year. Uh, but, uh, but it's hard to go, it's hard to not like what you're seeing with those two guys. And, you know, if you want to call them Thunder and Lightning, I think that's fine. But, uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of a lot of possibility there with this offense, and uh, and maybe we'll see some of it. Uh, I, it would be nice if Marquise is ready to go this week and and, and doesn't have the classic ankle sprain. But uh, if Kelly's intelligence is correct there, uh, maybe that won't be the case. But uh, but I'd like I, I really would like to see teams have to prepare for both of those guys. That uh, that'll put some that'll put some uh, you know difficulty on the defense and. Uh, and maybe they'll be better, you know, back for uh, Oregon. They uh, call tailback you all the Heisman trophies for the USC running backs. When something happens with the running back position, people care. That's basically been the theme of a lot of the questions. They want to know what's going on with the running backs. Do you have any? I have I both voicemails that kind of have to do with that. Do you want to do any more, or should I play one of these? Jump or? into that. I just want to make a quick point. I think okay. to be fair to Vi and Stephen Carr, one, I think the offensive line needs to be more consistent for them to really show out. But two. 
I think the coaches have confidence in their pass blocking skills in both of them. And they weren't really trusting Marquis Stutt. That's why we didn't see him. We only saw him come in mostly for the token run plays. And then they started to get more confidence in his pass protection. But we haven't really seen Keaton do pass protection yet. So you can't, no. you, it's multifaceted. You can't just put him in there to run or else they'll totally key on him. So I think that's the thing that the coaches were hesitant about. But we'll probably see his pass protection against Colorado. But I think. I, I don't think it's fair to knock Vi or Carr because they've had good efforts so far. Yeah, you can't knock them at all for anything that they do. I think that anybody that you know does anything negative about them is really is really wrong. But uh, I think the attitude of the USC coaches, I think when you have talents with the upside of Marquise and Keenan, you have to say, we've got to get them up to speed. And the coaches have to trust their own coaching. Uh, I thought the defensive coaches really trusted their coaching this week. And I thought they trusted those kids to do what they needed them to do. I think that has to happen on offense, too. I think you have to trust that you're going to get monkey step. You can, you gotta, he's been here a year and a half. He's six, you know, almost, I don't know, whatever he is, six one. He looks like he's growing every time I see him. About 235 pounds of quick strength. He's got to be able to pass block. You just have to make it happen. And Keenan's a tough kid. I mean, he, I don't know what he actually weighs now. He's certainly bigger than the 185 uh, they had him listed when he came in here. But he likes to stick his nose in there. It's just a matter of technique and doing it enough. But, uh, but that's on the coaches, I think. You know, when you've got kids that can offer as much as, as these two guys can, your job is not to come up with reasons like, oh, ball security for, um, you know, for marquees or whatever. No, get them ready to play. They can do so much for this program. Uh, we don't need any excuses not, not to play them. And uh, I know it's, you know, maybe uncomfortable if you've got a couple of really good guy, valuable upperclassmen ahead of them, but you probably got to get that done. Uh, and we don't always see that happen. Um, at USC, there, there's kind of a tendency to favor the good guy upperclassman, and sometimes you might just have to go with the with the real talent. Yeah, well, it's real talent. Uh, our friend, our pal Curtis from Marino <laughs> Valley, uh, likes what something you said about uh, Keaton Christian. I'll play this voicemail for you, Dan. Here you go, Curtis from Marino Valley. Hey, Dan, great quote when Keenan Christian. Hits an open hole, just tell the band to start playing. Remember, Coach Helton had a bad uh, recruiting year the last year, but he has built this team. We are real deep with a whole lot of talent. I was wondering, who are these guys on defense flying around killing Khalil Tate and the second-string quarterback? Uh, No turnovers again. Uh, Well, we had one fumble. But again... The band will play. Give him the ball, Curtis from Moreno Valley. Yeah, Curtis, uh, that was actually a, a quote from uh, the Washington State coach whose name escapes me now. He was talking about Reggie Bush, and he talked about a wheel route. <laughs> he just he just said, if, if they get him here and your linebacker's there, you just tell your band to start playing because uh, we're not going to catch you. And uh, – I just think that was a that was a good comment, and with with Keaton, as um, I guess Coach Jinks said, uh, as soon as they saw the play develop, as soon as they saw the seam open up, 
uh, he looked at Clay and said, touchdown. And I think a lot of us kind of had that feeling, even though I don't know that we'd seen him do that uh, in uh, in fall camp. I don't know that he ever got a chance to, to do that, but you just knew that with his, you know, ability to, to get off the blocks that you saw in, uh, in track season, um, it was probably going to be a touchdown. I mean, you just can't get isolated with just one guy in that, in that area with him. But, uh, but yeah, you could tell the band to start playing. He ran, you know, kind of right to the band and, and they could start playing. But, uh, uh, I think who was it? Clayhead, I think a good comment was, um, about, uh, Keenan was if he's even, he's leaving. Uh, you know, he, there was nothing those, uh, those defensive backs could do once he got, you know, even with where they were, he was, he, they weren't going to touch him. They weren't going to get near him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's fun to talk about, uh, a guy with that kind of, that kind of talent and that kind of speed. I, I just don't, there's almost no way that you could, there, when you have that kind of speed, I mean, USC, I thought caught up with Khalil Tate and, and JJ Taylor's speed, but when you've got Keenan Christen's speed, there's almost not much you can do if he gets any kind of a, a scene. I mean, there's just, unless you've got enough guys uh, in that area, and if you've got only one or two, you're really in trouble. I mean, that, that's kind of, that kind of speed you just don't see on the football field. I mean, you really don't. Yeah. Do we, well, do you want to do, do you have any more of those, or I got one more kind of? Do you have a running back voicemail? Yeah, it's it's pretty much a running back. Go voicemail. for it. Uh, right. We have more running back questions too. Okay, here's a here's another one for you, Dan. Hey guys, love the show. This is Rick from La Mirada. Had two quick uh, questions. Or state the first is statement. Uh, Kristen gave me that if he pairs with Steph, that Lindell White, Reggie Bush kind of feel again. I got a little nostalgic for two seconds until we have yet another injury. <laughs> and two. Does injuries come into the recruiting? Do do you believe the recruits look at these injuries and think maybe I can get early playing time? Or is it totally out of their head? They think bad trainers? Or is it uh, kind of in the middle? Uh, Keep up the good work. Love your show. Go USC. Yeah, I do think that the whole early playing time, I think that really matters with especially the very top kids, the ones in, in California, for example, who USC hasn't been doing well with in the last uh, year or so. Uh, and and that, that's not going to be easy because you've got a, a freshman quarterback uh, that, uh, uh, that they obviously really like. And uh, your guy who was going to be a starter, who who will be a redshirt sophomore next year with your other quarterback who will be a sophomore. And then you've got your two running backs will also, at this point, you know, be sophomores. Uh, if you if you go with the uh, Marquise and, and Keenan, uh, you know, pairing. So I think that is something you got to you got to figure out how to handle that in terms of recruiting. Um, it's it's a reality. It's a reality, I think. But obviously, um, Alabama, you know, Georgia, LSU, uh, Ohio State figure out how to do it, and USC uh, has to you know, just figure out how to do it. But uh, but I do think it'll be a reality with as much young talent as USC has right now. Uh, maybe that's you know that's the 
that's the key and that's the difference it separates the super powerhouses from everybody else they figure out how to get it done um, and 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 keep bringing those guys in so i think this now if you watch Keenan, this that last year's class that was ranked 20th and then you know then they get brew mccoy and, and chris field but if you see what's happening uh you know with obviously uh keaton slovis wasn't highly uh, highly recruited in terms of something that would move the class up i think if you recalculated the recruiting and, and figured out well, where is Keaton Slovis now with regards to all the other freshman quarterbacks, where is uh, uh, what about a, a, a Keaton a Keenan Kristen? Uh, where was he ranked, and, and and where would he be ranked now just after one game after people seeing him or uh, uh, Dorian Hewitt who uh, who got a start again? I think this freshman class. It's gonna, you know, people will look back at it and say, okay, that class was better than uh, than they look like on paper, and uh, I think they're, you know, they're getting the chance to show it. But uh, that's that, that class is gonna, you know, be a pretty valuable class, you know, in terms of the numbers, in terms of the, just the, you know, the talent. Yeah, no, I think it's a good, good point. And that what you like the thunder and lightning thing? People talking about that a lot. Yeah, they. I got a lot of tweets about it too. Two point we have another question. Running yeah, back question. I, I I like it. I like it just because it solidifies them in the lineup on yeah. the field. You know, no excuses. Get them out there. You know, see what happens. Marcel from the IE says, "Good morning. I thought the team did a good job in the second half. Do you think we will ever see any of our freshman running backs on a jet sweep or on a wheel route? Love the show, Marcel. I would hope by Friday uh, they figured out how to do that and uh, and. I would think they'd be working on that a lot this week. Uh, I just think, you know, give people a lot of different things to look at. I mean, they, they ran a couple of plays with, uh, with Keenan, but, uh, you know, I just think you want them to, I mean, hey, maybe you only have to do it once. Notre Dame, how, how perfectly did Notre Dame do it with uh, the Lindsay kid on the 51 yard reverse for a touchdown? I mean, how, how important was that play? Notre Dame picked out exactly the right time to do that play. And I think USC has to be able to to do those kinds of things, and uh, and 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 just you know you you make them you know when Marquise is back, you make them aware that he's gonna you know hit it up in there and hit it up in there, and get them conscious of of you know what are we gonna do to stop this guy, and then you you've got something uh, you know going for uh, for Keenan, but uh, but I would think the running attack will be a little more versatile. Uh, as far as Keenan's concerned uh, this week, uh, I would be shocked if it's not. So Stephen Poway essentially asked what we've already answered about uh, Keenan not seeing the field, but he wonders if USC didn't have any injuries to its running backs, when do you think we would have seen Keenan uh, finally get some playing time? 2020? <laughs> Probably. I mean, he, we, would, we wouldn't have seen him the other night, I don't think, if, uh, if Quincy doesn't drop the ball. Uh, I, I just think, you know, I, I don't think we were going to see him. I think he went in there because they felt like they had to put him in, but I don't, I don't think they, I don't think they were planning to do that. Yeah. And it, you, the fact that Quincy went in first, I think they might've played him though in four games. Like, yeah, I think, I think they would have used his red Oh, shirt. Yeah. yeah, man, you're right. I'm sorry. You're right. 
They would have kept his red shirt. Yes, I'm sorry. You're right. As far as just like a regular member, uh, it would have been 2020 before he got into the rotation. But, uh, yeah, they were going to – and that that will be interesting. How do you do that? You play him the last four games, and what happens if you do get into the championship game or you do get into a you know bowl game? Or do you play him only the last two games? And then knowing that, you know, maybe you'll get into the – I mean, I, that would be a really difficult issue, I think, uh, working out if he becomes like he has now after just one game. How do you how do you do that uh, if you really are committed to holding him to four games uh, and then you've got games you have to win, and yet knowing that if you win those, then you're going to be playing uh, one or two more games. Um, that would have been an interesting uh, dilemma. I think now it's all gone by the boards. He just has to play and forget the red shirt. Uh, but uh, it would have been interesting, uh, that's for sure. How many questions would there have been about, well, are you going to play him this week? If they win, they go to the you know, Pac-12 championship game, and he won't, you know, he won't be able to play or whatever. And that would have been uh, – as Clay has always said how much he loves that new red shirt rule. I'm not sure he'd have loved it as much if that would have been the topic of everybody every week about whether you're going to play the, you know, this kid or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a positive email from Michael from Newport. He says, for all the crap that Clay Helton gets, he deserves a lot of credit for tonight. Clay, mm-hmm. Greg Burns, Mike Jinks, and the entire staff deserves a lot of credit for having the team ready to play well this week and to have all the backups ready to step in for all the injured players. Clancy also deserves a lot of credit for shutting down the Arizona offense, fight on, and beat the buffs. Absolutely correct. Uh, without a doubt. I mean, I, and, and Graham Harrell deserves uh, credit for having three quarterbacks that you can win with. I mean, I do believe uh, the new coaches that have come in have really uh, taken, you know, the heart, the idea that you can coach everybody and get everybody ready to go. And I think some of them are probably pretty excited about the level of, uh, of talent. Uh, I mean, I don't think any of us, and it's not just the new guys. I don't think any of us didn't think Kanai um, uh, Mauga uh, couldn't flat out play. I mean, he's he's big. He's strong. He's six two, two forty. Can run. He can hit. He can. You know, I'm not sure there's anything he can't do. Uh, and obviously, he was the captain of basically every special team. Uh, so I don't think it should be any surprise that he can. He's really good, and he can do a lot of things. Maybe. You know, he goes, I mean, here's the guy that was on the bench, and now probably your best defensive player. I mean, he goes from there to, uh, you know, we don't know what you know situation it is with Talanoa, but um, he's really good. I mean, he, is there anything that, that he can't do? Yes, he has those guys, but you don't know until – I'm not even sure the coaches knew. Uh, I think they were hopeful. And I think they thought they had a good week of practice, but until you know, until they get out there in the game, uh, you just don't know. But I thought the confidence level of those kids playing that playing defense was as high as I've seen it in a long, long time at USC. I just thought they were running and flying and not you know looking over their shoulder, not worrying they were going to get something you know wrong or whatever, and it looked like they were communicating. Uh, it looked like you were having a lot of fun. Uh, playing defense that was uh, that was fun to watch I was happy you know for those kids to you know have that kind of a game 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back uh, afterwards and finish up all the questions here for the USC Arizona game. Back in a minute. baseball season is in full swing which means you need to listen to fantasy baseball today part of the cbs sports podcast network join scott white chris towers and me frank stample every weekday as we recap every player from every game we'll talk waiver wire ads drops players to trade for prospects who could make an impact and everything in between make sure to download and follow on apple Podcasts, spotify the odyssey app and everywhere else podcasts are found all right, Keely, what do we got next? So we had a positive email before the break. We're coming back with a not-so-positive Wait, email. we have negative emails today? What? Shocking. Um, I didn't get the name of whoever sent this, so apologies. But he says, as a diehard USC fan, I always root for them to win, so I'm happy about Saturday's outcome. I do have to say that the win isn't impressive, as USC should have beat Arizona 41-14 or worse every year. On a positive note, I was proud of the way that the backups played as they stepped up when needed. Seeing Keenan Kirsten get his first touchdown was also great. I will, however, tell SC to slow down a bit on giving Keenan Kirsten the running back crown. We have to remember that Ronald Jones and Stephen Carr both, and I would add Oxford Aguirre, both had phenomenal freshman appearances, so this isn't abnormal. I feel bad about the number of injuries to our top players. Do you feel these injuries, like last year, are a product of the lack of contact this team experiences in practice throughout the year? I think that's a possibility. I, I, I do think there there is a, a plus to, to knowing uh, how to extend and hit hit and, and still protect yourself and not get hurt. It it worries me at times to watch Talanoa where he almost overextends. Uh, he he's such a, he works so hard and he wants it so badly and he can do so many different things that, you know, I think there are people that kind of uh, at times maybe injure themselves because they make plays that you almost can't make and, and try to make plays. And I do think maybe if you do, you know, more uh, taking to the ground and practice, and not a lot, and under very controlled circumstances and all that, but I do think maybe you have the ability to maybe more uh, more protect yourself, I, I think, uh I don't think it would hurt. Again, I, I just think, you know, and every every college team is trying to figure this out, and it's not easy. Uh, how do you, you know, these are young, these aren't NFL players. These aren't guys that are, you know, playing at the top level for 10 years. These are guys that are, you know, much different situation than they were in high school, where they were by far the best athlete, and it didn't matter almost how they did whatever they did. Uh, in college, it's a big jump, and, and, and technique and fundamentals in terms of things like tackling are really important. Um, I think the other part about the question about uh, freshmen having uh, breakout games, and you mentioned a couple of guys, but there is one difference. Keenan Kristen's speed is so in a class by itself uh, that that he kind of merits a little bit of, of a different consideration in terms of how, how you use him. I'm not sure you just lump him in with as good as, you know, Ronald Jones and those guys are and were, and Ronald had a kind of a unique running style that he's now able in his second year in the NFL to, to really, he had an ability to keep his legs moving. And even if he was contacted, he just hit 
uh, an unusual kind of a, a way of moving his legs that, that that he's now able to do in the NFL, where you see him, uh, you know, scoring touchdowns, where he's running through people with, you know, at the goal line. Uh, but uh, but Keenan is different. I mean, that speed is so unusual that, uh, and I'm not sure that what he he did he can compare necessarily the same with with what the other guys did. So I thought when I was originally reading the question that he was just talking specifically about running backs, USC running backs having success against Arizona. Cause that's also a theme too, is USC's running uh, backs have done really well against Arizona because their run defense hasn't been good over the last couple of years. Well, that could be okay. But uh, even then uh, where Ronald or whatever might be five yards away from somebody, Keenan's going to be 10 or 15 yards uh, away. Is this, he, he's different. True. We have an email from Jack, class of 1986, from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. He says, yeah, I know. He says, I've I've got a question for Dan. Can he ask the appropriate defensive coach why the linebackers for years now continually engage the other team's blockers rather than tackle the running back that is running right by them? I'm tired of yelling at my TV. (laughs) When Pete Carroll was the head coach, this was not happening, and I do not see Alabama linebackers doing this. They obviously have been coached much better. The perfect example of this occurred at 8.02 to go in the first quarter. Arizona runs to the right on first down, and at 8.01, everything looks great. But then John Houston comes up, and instead of tackling the running back with the ball behind the line of scrimmage, he engages the lineman and takes himself out of the play. At the 8-minute mark, you can see that John Houston has engaged the lineman across the line of scrimmage, and the running back runs right by him and gains 9 yards before he's tackled by a safety. All USC linebackers have been doing this every game for years now. Please help stop the insanity. And then he says, P.S., where I live and where my daughters have gone to college have given me a very unique perspective when watching my Trojans. Our players are as talented as Alabama from what I see every week, but Alabama's coaching, which especially includes how they practice, is what makes the difference. They are ready to play at full speed. A perfect example is how EA takes the wrong angles too often. I believe this is because he's not going, he's not used to going full speed in practice. The Alabama linebackers don't have this problem. Well, they do tackle to the ground. I, I know Nick Saban talked about that when he lost his All-American you know, middle linebacker uh, in preseason and how it really shook him up. And you could tell he was saying, I don't know how you can you know, learn to play football unless you play football. So when they, you know, they, when they go out in pairs, they tackle to the ground all the time. Uh, I'm not sure you know, that would necessarily work here, uh, but uh, I think USC – Here's some you know specific things they do on defense, and and everybody, it's kind of like uh, in Clancy's defense, uh, all eleven guys have to be where they're supposed to be, uh, and if they're not, you see that you know that run at Washington, for example, where you know it turned everything around in that game, where one person is not where he's supposed to be, and uh, that's just how how they you know. USC plays the defense. So some of those linebackers, I think, are where they're supposed to be, and they're engaging, and maybe, you know, somebody else isn't there. Uh, and I, I do think it's also um, maybe the way they practice, that, that if you don't really engage in practice, uh, you know, full speed, full pressure, game tempo, and all of that, you maybe aren't quite ready to disengage uh, that off that blocker and, and make the tackle. Uh, I think that's 
that's part of it. I don't think there's any question. I do think Alabama probably gets a little more ready uh, to play defense in practice than USC does. But I know I'm really encouraged by what we saw uh, Saturday that they didn't see as much of that. Uh, you saw them finishing. You saw them disciplined. You saw them staying, you know, in their lanes, but containing the quarterback and not giving him much room. And you saw a bunch of guys. Uh, you know, you didn't see a lot of where guys were singled up with uh, the running backs or with Khalil Tate. You saw uh, groups, and you saw them force, force people run out of bounds where there just literally was nowhere to go. So uh, I think we can be hopeful that maybe that's that's the start of something. That they, uh, I, I really got the sense that the defensive coaches last week did as much. I mean, we heard you know, they were calling around the NFL teams and coaches, and, and what do you guys do to you know now that there are as many uh, running quarterbacks in the NFL as there are, what do you guys do, and, and what should we do about that? Uh, they doubled the. Uh, we didn't get to see. Uh, we see the start of of what they're trying to do with the tackling drills uh, that are really not tackling, but uh, but just sort of preparation for tackling. But uh, according to uh, Chad. Uh, they they doubled that, and so we didn't get to see what else they were doing. But um, I think they recognized that they needed to step things up, and um, I think they were moving in that direction. The game certainly showed uh, you know, they're moving in that direction. Whether you you know you like Arizona or not, uh, they were number nine in the nation in total offense. So uh, you know it wasn't like you know then they maybe hadn't played the greatest schedule, but still. Uh, to do what USC did, to basically just shut them down when they had the you know the starters in was uh, pretty darn impressive, I think. So hopefully they'll uh, they're listening to what you're telling them. Not to be too snarky here, but why why did it take the threat of Khalil Tate to really make the defensive <laughs> coaches get fully serious about stopping a, a mobile quarterback or do adding an extra 10 minutes in, in practice to, to work on tackling and getting the quarterback down. Like why was it week game seven that caused this seriousness? Yeah, that's not snarky at all. I think that's, uh, I don't know, but you know, coach Chad, he wanted to talk about that. Uh, he stopped and he kind of almost wanted to say, or he did say, I, I wish you guys were watching us in practice. I wish you could watch us in practice. Um, so Something happened last week. Why it took till last week, um, you know, I just think they looked at that Notre Dame game. Well, we know this with, with Coach Chad. We were standing down there in the last five minutes on the sideline at Notre Dame, and he really lit into his, his defensive line guys for, for not doing their responsibilities and for being selfish and kind of going off on their own. And he got every, every single one of them, you know, their faces and just told them, and we're not going to have this anymore. So it, it, it looks like it's been building on defense where the, you know, where you've got a, a majority of the uh, new, new coaches are on defense. And uh, I think they've, they've had enough and, and they're going to, uh, you know, demand and, and maybe they're going to change the way practice happens. Cause that, that's been something that we haven't seen much that practice changes. Uh, and, you know, we're not in there, but everything you could hear was, it's going along just like it goes along every week. Last week you heard for the first time, sounded like they changed some things. Uh, so, you know, good for them. I mean, as we, how many times can we say it? You play like you practice. Looks like they practiced differently last week. They said they did. 
And when you saw them on Saturday, it looked like they did. So we have a long email from someone whose name wasn't included in the email, so apologies. He says, hello, Keely, Ryan, and Dan. I thought of more questions and had a couple ideas. Probably beating a dead horse, but it has to do with the run defense. My first comment, I'm not impressed with Coach Pendergast. He has not made adjustments to all the obvious issues against the run, and that shows stubbornness and is unacceptable. Here's my comment slash question. We know that we have issues with mobile quarterbacks and give up a ton of yards, so why wouldn't we take someone fast like EA and have his sole responsibility to watch the quarterback and track them down if they run? I would bet that EA is fast enough to run them down, and a few hits from him would change the opponent's plan of using the quarterback as a runner. Another thought just for fun, use Drake Jackson to lead block for goal line runs in front of Marquise. Both are injured, so I doubt that will happen. And he says another comment, and I would love your input. It seems to me like Isaiah Pullamau appears to hesitate with hitting, and I couldn't believe when, I think this is from last week, Ian Book ran it in for a touchdown, and I think it was John Houston that didn't hit him at the goal line. Love your show, and thank you for the outlet to get things off my chest. Well, I think they were running around and hitting people. Isaiah looked almost like a different player uh, Saturday. I think a lot of it was how much they had him moving and, and blitzing and lining them up, you know, in different places and, and really just, just getting after it, uh, you know, very, very aggressively. I thought uh, I thought that looked, that looked different. Uh, they, they just decided we're going to run these guys down. We're not going to be afraid uh, that they're going to, you know, run past us and, I just, I, I really, really like the, uh, you know, the, 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 just the aggressiveness that, that when you've got good players, uh, you know, no matter how young they are or whatever, just turn them loose and, and, and try to, you know, obviously, you know, have them in a system that makes sense against the people you're playing. But basically, they said we're going athlete against athlete, and uh, and we think our athletes are uh, are, are going to be uh, be able to run you guys down. I wish I could remember his first uh, comment that he needed. He wanted a comment on if you can remember what the first thing uh, uh, there, Kelly. He said um, he thinks that Pendergrass has been too stubborn with making adjustments this season. Yeah, I think that again. I think last week changes that analysis a little bit. Yeah, I think they were, you know, and I don't know. You talk about maybe having a middle linebacker spy on the quarterback. And I know we did that in high school, and we really liked to do that if we had a good middle linebacker and you were playing somebody like that. I don't know that Clancy's system allows for that. I think they, the system is the system, and everybody has to um, uh, you know, adjust together. And, and I don't know if in Clancy's system – uh, you could do that. I, I don't know that you could just single a guy out and say we're going to uh, – just because what it would do to the rest of the, you know, 11-man defense. This is an 11-man defense where everybody, um, you know, has their, uh, you know, assignments. And, and, and could they, you know, go back to a system where you would have the ability to, you know, kind of freelance a, a middle linebacker? Because that's what you're doing because you're basically saying to him – Whatever that guy does, you have to mirror. And uh, so then you're kind of, in a way, you're turning over your defense to to their offense in, in terms of, of what they do. And if they figure that out, um, you know, they might be able to uh, to take advantage of it. I think some teams could do that. I'm not sure USC could do that. That was from Paul, by the way. So I went oh. back and looked. Yeah, did, he sent it in late last week. So it was got it, got before, it. The, uh, before the Arizona game. 
Sorry about that, Paul. So we have three more questions. They're kind of bigger picture now. Um, these next two are about Clay Helton. Um, it's First one is from Gustavo from Soonerland. He says, everyone knows what they want done with the head coach, but what, which assistants, uh, which assistant coaches would you be okay with bringing back? I would love to see Greg Burns and coach Ch- Chad K under a head coach that would have a physical uh, tackling practices. I think they would thrive. Thanks again and fight on Gustavo. I'm not going there. And, uh, yeah. uh, I think that that strictly has to be, if there is a change at the head coach, I think the new head coach has to have total freedom to go in whatever direction he wants to go in terms of building a staff. And, and I just think that's probably not somewhere where, uh, where we should intrude. We're not in the meetings, uh, uh, you know, as much as we see, and we will tell you, and if you listen, we'll tell you what we like about, about the assistant coaches and, and there won't be any, you know, uh, question is uh, what we think and uh, what we see and, and all that, but I'm not not, not going to go there in terms of uh, recommending some and not recommending others. I just, just don't think that's our that's probably not our place. Well, not just not our place, but that's what's been wrong with USC. There's always like hiring with stipulations and things like that. If you're going to go out and get a if you know you make a change, they if they fire Clay Helton and then they go out and hire a big-name head coach, you let that head coach do whatever the hell he wants to do as far as the staff goes. You go, you know what? We want to bring you on, and we're going to pay you like $8 million a year, but you have to keep uh, Greg Burns and Chad Kay as your, you know, it's like, you don't do that. If he wants to keep them, that's fine, but you don't, yeah. That, that, that's what's been wrong with USC hiring in the past. Don't hire with like, but it has to be the USC way. You hire, If you're going to hire somebody good, let them come in and do their job. And that's what you want him to do. And he, if he wants to keep the whole damn staff, he can do it. But it's going to be up to the new head coach. Yep. Makes sense. If that happens. Well, if you didn't like that question. Exactly. It's not I don't like the question, but just it just shows what's been wrong. You, that's a USC mentality. Stop thinking that way. Like, why yeah. would you care? Like, just go get the head coach and he'll do what the hell he wants. Yes. Agreed. Well, I'm not sure if we're going to answer this next question then. Uh, it's from oh. Mike in the Bay Area who says, a question for Dan Keeley and Ryan. In your opinion, is Clay Helton the guy or not? And then he has some personal attacks about Helton. He says he's incompetent but is absolutely brilliant at spinning his narrative to the media and powers that be about injuries, young team, one slash two plays away and fighting like warriors. Excluding sl- Sam the Eraser, Clay Helton has done nothing. Thanks for all the content and the hard work you put into the site. Fight on Mike in the Bay Area. Yeah, I, I think it's really hard, uh, having been here as many years as Clay's been here, that we're still on kind of a week-to-week basis with the, you know, the coach and the staff and all that. That's really difficult. It's almost impossible to recruit like that uh, going forward when everybody, you know, isn't sure based on this week's game, you know, what's going to happen with the coaching staff and all that. I think that alone makes you really, uh, you know, question the long-term viability of this, you know, this coaching staff. And I think, I think one of the issues about taking the USC job is there's almost no in-between. You're either really, really good and you're going to win national championships or you're not. There's almost no kind of in-between at USC. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're a great coach, you win national championships. If you're not, um, somebody else will, will be coming in, in in behind you. That's just 
the way it is at USC. And, and there are a few places. Alabama's gone through that same thing. When they haven't had great coaches, they didn't do very well. And, they, you know, things weren't you know, happy in Georgia. Kind of, you know, once, uh, you know, Vince Dooley kind of got to the end of his time and then Mark, Mark Rick came in, um, nobody was all that happy. You know, they, they, you know, there are certain expectations. I think uh, uh, Ohio State kind of in that same situation. And uh, in Michigan, there are schools where either you're that really special guy or you might just not be the right fit. And, uh, and right now, that, that there's still so much kind of feeling out of who this you know, team is what this program should be doing, what the basic philosophies ought to be. Um, that probably shouldn't still be in that in that place at, at this time. Uh, it's just this is that's a hard, a hard you know hill for you know I think Clay to to climb at this point. I mean, um, it's just it's you know it's like with Pete Carroll, you knew where Pete was, you knew what he wanted to do. Uh, whether he got it done all through that time, not necessarily, but at least you had an, an absolute understanding of, of what he wanted to do with his football team. And I'm still not sure we even know that now. Uh, and, and so that, that's kind of, I think, kind of a real issue. Uh, I don't Mike, know what you guys think. But. Yeah, uh, that, that good stuff, Dan. Mike, uh, first, we don't appreciate the personal attacks. We don't need yeah. that stuff. That's not uh you could say you don't like him as a head coach or whatever, but you don't need to call him names and things. I mean, just, just be professional about this stuff. As far as I, I think we do, the Dan's point about the week-to-week thing is dead on, and we see threads on the message board all the time. Like, say Washington gets a big win, then everyone comes to the message board, see, USC should have hired Chris Peterson. If Washington loses to Stanford or they lose to Oregon, like, oh, you you people that love Chris Peterson, see your morons, you know? And, and it's just like not a week-to-week thing, and that's what's unfortunate. Um, you know, as, as far as this goes, and I, when I had Bruce Feldman on a couple of months ago, that's the one thing he talked about as far as even if Clay Helton had like was 10 and two, he thought there was a, like that there was a good chance that USC wouldn't retain him. Obviously it depends on who the athletic director is because is it really about, well, week to week, what can you do? Or five years from now, is he the person that's going to rack up a couple national championships? And is he going to be the right guy? For me, Mike, I do not think, I like Clay Helton a lot as a person, I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he's going to change all that much. And I don't think he's turning this thing around to become a national champion. Um, so for me, it's, you know, you you want to look somewhere else and try to find someone who can bring this team back to national prominence, not fighting for the Pac-12 South. That's just my personal opinion, but uh, I want to do it in a way without being insulting. Yeah. Keely, what do you think? I'm going to throw you on the Ooh, spot. Ooh, me on the spot. No, I agree. I, I, the fact that just how talented USC is, they should be 7-0 and at this point. They, yeah. they should be better. They should be better than what they are. They should be practicing better. They should be taking better tackling angles, just fundamentals. And that's something that Clay Helton had highlighted coming into this offseason, which I think is an odd thing to begin with because that should be a given. But, yeah, I just don't think, like we said, we like him. Great guy. I just don't think he's the guy for USC. Yeah. So let's go to our final 
email, and it's from our buddy Dan, class of 1962. He says, I just returned from the grand opening of our new Trader Joe's in Meridian, Idaho. My wife and I are happy shoppers. Whenever I get frustrated about USC, I can always get a positive vibe by going to Trader Joe's and interacting with terrific crew members. we got a commercial here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look at that. Ryan is right on target about getting a new AD who will t- challenge the status quo in the Pac-12 as well as hiring a legitimate top 10 coach. The problem is bigger than just SC. It is the Pac-12, but as but USC is the problem by accepting Larry Scott and his self-serving Pac-12 network. USC isn't getting as much money as schools and other conferences. USC isn't getting primetime exposure on ESPN and Fox. And it appears that the Pac-12 refs are more critical of USC than other conference schools. So why wouldn't we have an AD and a university president that has the courage to at least explore joining another conference or going semi-independent like Notre Dame? USC is a valuable brand that is being run like a third-rate school. Thank you, Ryan, Dan, and Keeley, for your brutal honesty. Fight on. Dan, class of 1962. Yeah, Dan, I, I do think you make a good point. If it were run as well as, uh, you know, either the Pac-12 or USC as well as Trader Joe's, it wouldn't be a bad place to start. I think one of the, the things is Trader Joe's knows who Trader Joe's is and what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to do it. And I don't think, you know, either USC or the Pac-12 really get it. And and I do think, uh, and I, 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 unstated, but I think very important part of finding a new AD is finding somebody who will be a leader in the Pac-12, the kind of leaderless Pac-12 that has just kind of for a decade just gone you know, what was good for Larry Scott was not necessarily good for the Pac-12. So I think, you know, the credentials of, of the person who comes in to be the AD at USC have to include things like uh, real understanding of, uh, of network TV and a real understanding of what the possibilities are, what the potential is, and, uh, and how that applies to USC. And I think it's got to be somebody who is absolutely not afraid in the least to explore uh, the, uh, you know, where USC ought to go. Uh, If USC gets back to being USC of a decade, decade and a half ago, what would the best thing for USC to be? Is is there a way to figure out a a Notre Dame type deal uh, and, and, and say, look, this is it. I, I was watching, who was it? We were, we were watching um, which Pac-12 game. Was it Oregon-Washington, I guess, uh, before heading to the, the game? And, like, every player they basically identified was from uh, Long Beach, Rancho Cucamonga, you know, Fontana, you know, it's one after another. And, and my wife was saying, wait a minute, that's Oregon-Washington, and every player's from Southern California. But, yeah, kind of. Uh, there's an awful lot of those guys. I don't know if USC understands the power of USC in the Pac-12. I mean, if USC starts like, you know, thinking about, you know, there might be a better place for us. I think they, they do not even begin to understand the leverage they have with the Pac-12. I, you know, I just think about when the Pac-12, you know, came together and, 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 and you know, had all the agreements and the TV deal and all USC asked for, was an extra million dollars and the weekender at either uh, you know Cal or Stanford. That's all they wanted. It was like, are you kidding me? That's all. I mean, USC had had the kind of leverage that Texas and Oklahoma had in the Big Twelve, where they said, 
well, you know what? We'll keep all of our local rights and, and basketball and all the TV games that aren't on network. And uh, Texas and Oklahoma State, Texas and Oklahoma, where USC said, yeah, we'll, we'll just throw everything into the pot. And Oregon State and Washington State, they can just get as much out of there as, as USC does. That's wrong. That was dumb. And uh, I think the new athletic director had to come in understanding all of that and how that doesn't work for USC. Sure, you got to give some things up to be part of a conference. The conference has got to give some things up uh, for your benefit as well. And that hasn't happened, and it's getting worse and worse. And, uh, and you know, I think you could make a case right now that you'd be better off disbanding the Pac-12 networks and giving every, everything back to the, each of the schools. They all have a broadcasting department. They all have the ability to do their own games in all the sports. And, um, and, and, and then like, you know, the schools make their, uh, make their own deals for the, uh, the football games that would be left over and the basketball games. And, uh, I think that would work, uh, work much better and it'd be a lot less expensive, uh, to do. And, uh, and then you wouldn't have to pay your commissioner a double salary because he's running the networks too. He says, uh, they're just, you know, so. But I like your Trader Joe's example. I think that's the direction USC ought to go. Maybe they ought to get a guy from Trader Joe's to come in and, and take over. Uh, that wouldn't be a bad idea. All right. Well, eh, not too bad this week. We uh, Short week, a little shorter podcast. It's still over an hour, but, you know. <laughs> For us, that's pretty good. Well, last week was so insane with all the questions. And yeah, stuff. yeah, it was intense. So what, you know, Notre Dame's a trigger, so you're going to get a lot of stuff from Notre Dame, but. What we triggered at this week was the uh, the running back stuff. Like Kanai Malga, was there a whole bunch of stuff about him? No, and he had a monster game. You yeah, know? thirteen tackles. But you get a, a running back that can go fifty five yards and just blow by everybody. People are going to pay attention to that. Well, when your offense has kind of been anemic, I think it it matters. Forty one points. I mean, in general, I mean, yeah, this right, season right. when Graham Harrell said he wanted to score fifty five points a game, and yeah, teams aren't even respecting your run game. You know. That's true. And then, you know, the three the three big scores were uh two freshman running backs. I mean, that's just the uh you know, the way uh you know, here you go, you're debuting the air raid offense and all of a sudden where are these running backs coming from? You know, it's just uh you don't always know what's coming around the corner, uh in, in college football and especially at USC where you just have guys that are probably sitting there waiting for their opportunity and uh who knows what happens when they get it. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we should wrap it up here. Uh, good stuff, everybody. Thanks for all the questions. Everyone sending those in. Hope you guys enjoyed our uh, little episode with Taylor May. So we'll get Harvey Hyde on back next week. And if you missed, uh, we also did Tunnel Vision where Keeley, Taylor, myself, and Shotgun were all doing it. Because there's a Friday game, uh, our Peristyle pregame show, which is our radio show, on KBC 790 here in Los Angeles. It'll be up as a podcast as well. Uh, that'll go Thursday night, Friday, early Friday morning. So I believe it's going to be midnight on Thursday night. So it'll be up there. So we got to get it done a little bit earlier. And then we head to Colorado into the chilly, cold. Chilly, chilly. I didn't yeah. realize how cold it was going to be. It's going to be cold. Burr. Although it's a little better now. It's going to be sunny uh, Friday, Saturday, it looks like, or Thursday, Friday, I mean, and, and no snow uh showers but it's getting down into the 30s yeah so it'll be uh it'll be chilly by the end of the game uh, yeah you want to have you want to have things well in hand before uh the fourth quarter i would think 
Agreed. Right. One way or another, you want to do that. So um, yeah. it's going to be, well, it would be in the press box. Let Keely be cold down on there. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate were, it. I th- that was when I did the Pac-12 radio this morning. I was talking about that. They were like, how's it going to be? I'm like, I think it's going to be like low 40s, high 30s. But, you know, I'll be warm in the press box. Keely and Chuck going to be down on the field there. Uh, See, it, it's, it's, it's not- a nice, it's a really nice press box, by the way. Uh, it's an old, uh, old style, but it's really cool. Uh, really, uh, really like their press box. It's all right. <laughs> it, it's yeah. like too old good for my food. taste. The good, food's pretty good, right? Good yeah. food. Yeah. Always yeah. love Ralphie. Would love a women's bathroom in the press box, but there's no women's bathroom. In the no, <laughs> it's a, it's like three levels down. Th- really? Yeah, I tweeted about it last time. You know the good old days when only men did. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, I'm just kidding. No, Ryan, that's a joke. It's a joke. Ryan. Of course, Keely's right here. She's, she's <laughs> yeah. You're gonna boss. say that when I'm not around. That's the <laughs> uh, yeah, but Ralphie's the best. Yeah. Like, no, Ralphie is. The piece de resistance. Can you? How close can you get to filming down there? Like when you, I was, I was in the middle of the field last time, and I was like, if I die, I die. This is a cool. But you got a good shot of him. Yeah, I did. I did. And if you get there early, you can watch them practice. They give Ralphie one practice run, and uh, and we always have to say, and she is really fun to watch. I mean, up close, and you don't see Ralphie turn over like that Oklahoma Sooner Schooner. Uh, Ralphie uh, stays on all four feet and. They don't mess around. They've got that uh, Ralphie's uh, trailer mm-hmm. right at the basically right at the flag at the end zone, and Ralphie knows to run right into that thing, and they close that door, and uh, Ralphie's out of there. And Ralphie, uh, Ralphie is a female, right? Yeah, of course. Huh? Yeah, Ralphie's a female. Yeah, you can't have Instead a, of males. A male. You couldn't control the males. The males would hurt somebody. Uh, so, you can control uh, women like that doesn't make any pretty... sense. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I just teed you up. <laughs> Ralphie, would, uh, Ralphie is pretty threatening, uh, I would say. I mean, those I, the Wranglers, whatever they call them, that run with Ralphie with the big, you know, leather, uh, you know, harness and all that. They are athletic as heck. I mean, they are flying and, and yeah. you know trying to turn the corner with Ralphie. Uh, that's impressive. I mean, that's as impressive as anything you're going to see in the game. I, you know, having been to an awful lot of college football games uh, my lifetime, Ralphie's nobody even close. Ralphie's by far, uh, you know, the best. You know, and I know everybody likes traveling and all that. They're nothing close to Ralphie. That's uh, not right. Yeah, uh, really impressive stuff. <laughs> Maybe uh, Keaton Kirsten get out there and run with Ralphie. That'd be fun. <laughs> Given USC's running back health, keep him far away Probably from the not. live yeah, wild yeah. animal. <laughs> That's fair. That's yeah. fair. And I, I, I feel bad because I was saying that USC was down there the last scholarship running back, but I forgot they gave Quincy yeah, a scholarship. Everyone kept saying they that. They gave I... Quincy one. Mm-hmm. When, when was yeah. that? Was that fall? And he deserved yeah, it. Fall. He deserved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talked about it on this podcast. Yeah, I'm sure, but I, I forgot what I had for breakfast. <laughs> Long a little season. Bit. Yeah. Long season. Uh, yeah, so my apologies to Quincy. How about recruited scholarship? Yeah. Re- yes. How about yeah. that? I different. put that in the scholarship chart, like recruited scholarship players, and there's two guys with asterisks See? that have. So. Who, who was the other one? Always the distinction Chase? back in the day when they were getting nailed with the uh, NCA scholarships, and they would, they would in the notes they would say things like, uh, "USC is going into this week's game with just 43 recruited scholarship athletes." Now they they had more, but uh, they had to give scholarships there guys they hadn't recruited because you know they were limited as far as how many they could you know with the 30 scholarship penalty of signing uh they couldn't sign enough uh players but uh but that was always the uh you know i think that stanford game when they 
with that Ortron when they upset Stanford, Stanford number three or four in the country. Uh, I think USC had like 45 uh, originally recruited scholarship athletes. So that was always, uh, at least for that year, that was always the big distinction. Yeah. How many did they recruit? And uh, Chase McGrath is the other one. And we, we should probably give him a shout out because he hasn't missed a kick all year. He's been money. Boy, so he's if you don't talk about him, that's probably coming a good off thing. Of ACL, yeah. coming off of ACL surgery. And he, he said, you know, his knee makes a click now every time. You know, he said, yeah, it's a, there's a click in there now when I when I kick it. And, and he, he is money. He's uh, got a great attitude. Maybe that helps line up his leg a little better or something. It's just like clicks it in the perfect place every oh, time. I don't know. It's nice. It's working. Whatever he's doing, like. You kind of he look at him like, right, wow, he keeps kicking it, you know. He's clicking it. Hey, I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. We got a little extra, a little bonus. You wanted to pat it a little bit. I, like, I don't really want to pat it, but there was this <laughs> kind of crap you talk about. And, uh, but, yeah, check out the, the live show uh, on Thursday from Boulder, Colorado. So we'll be doing a live show. Fun. Yeah. We're, we haven't figured out how to do it yet, but we will. <laughs> If it's just a phone, it'll just be a phone. But sure. we'll probably do more than that. Sure. Uh, that's Keely Yor, Dan Weber. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast. Enjoy this college, shorter college football week and uh, weekend Friday night game against Colorado. And we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Parastyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.